This is The Camp with Zach Heilprin and The Athletic's Jesse Temple. Yes, welcome to The Camp. We are back. Plenty to get to throughout the show. Going to talk a little bit about the depth chart. Going to talk about the transfer portal. Now that it is officially closed for players to go into from Wisconsin. And we'll also uh, get into a few more things. But we'll start, Jesse, with the news broke late Saturday night. That is Jack McNell Jr., no longer Wisconsin's offensive line coach. He has been reassigned, whatever that means. He is done after one year with the Badgers' offensive line. They're now in the market for a new offensive line coach. There have been... You know, some people not overly uh, happy with what uh, Jack McNell Jr. did in his first year, and, and Wisconsin decides to make this move. And, you know, this is going to be the fourth different offensive line coach in as many years. It's not an ideal situation for Luke Fickle, but it's also what we kind of talked about last week was he has to find out whether this staff that he has was the one that was going to get things done for them, and he has decided that that is not going to be the case for Jack McNell Jr. Yeah, I have to say, Zach, you know, when we cover the beat – like we do regularly, you certainly hear things, but until it becomes fact, you you don't necessarily know what's going to happen. But this does not come as a great shock or surprise to me. I know there were probably a lot of fans who were hoping there might be a, a change of some sort because the offense wasn't what it needed to be. Now, that doesn't mean it's all on the offensive line. There's a lot of other positions, but I, I can tell you that I know that players were frustrated during the season by what they consider to be a lack of emphasis on fundamentals and attention to detail of, of offensive line play. And those are some of the rumblings that I had certainly heard. Now, um, you know, Luke Fickle's got to make his own determinations and decisions on what needs to happen for the future. But again, I don't think this is a, a great surprise. Um, I know that, uh, you know, people really like Bick now, but, this group needs to perform better. And ultimately that does fall on the position coach. The problem or the challenge, I suppose, as you laid out, this is going to be the fourth offensive line coach in as many seasons for Wisconsin. You had Joe Rudolph who left for Virginia tech is now at Notre Dame. Then you had Bob Bostead flip over from being a linebackers coach, but he left for Indiana before all the coaches were not retained. And now you've got Jack Bicknell jr. Being reassigned. So whoever it is, that Luke Fick ultimately hires. This is such an important decision that he has to make because of the importance of offensive line play at Wisconsin traditionally. And also I think the importance of being able to provide some longer term stability. You've, you've got to, and this, this is this most successful programs often have coaches that are there for a while. It position coaches too. And six of the 13 scholarship offensive linemen for next season haven't played a college snap, and three more have only played sparingly. So they certainly need to figure this out. My biggest question, though, Zach, would be what exactly, whoever you bring in, what do you want this offensive line to look like? Because you are still running Phil Longo's offense, which is substantially different from what the Badgers had done in the past. And you've got to figure out how to merge all of this together to make the offense as successful as it can be. Is, is it accurate to say that Phil Longo or that Jack McNell was Phil Longo's hire, essentially? I mean, it's hard to it's hard to know all the inner workings of that particular aspect, but obviously both of them were at North Carolina last season. McNell was there one year, Longo had been there for four years, but you'd think that it went hand to hand, hand in hand in some capacity, obviously. And obviously they had spent some time together at Old Miss as well. Mm-hmm. Um 
So there, there is that connection. But yes, they need to find something long term. But I will also say, you know, yeah, long term is good. But if it's also not a fit, you can't hold on to it. Right. Yes. Which in this case, it appeared not to be a fit. And as you said, I think I think the guys liked him as a uh, as a person. I, I think that there was obviously some, as you mentioned, issues with how he coached and some of the things that were emphasized that maybe were different in the past. Now, you think about Joe Rudolph and you think about Bob Bostad and their personalities slightly different than I would say uh, what I felt from Jack McNell. And again, we didn't get to know him nearly as much as we got to know Joe Rudolph or Bob Bostad because we only got to talk to him a few times. But it's it, certainly different personalities in the way that Wisconsin had coached its offensive line to now the way that they did with uh, with Jack McNell. So that that is going to be a change. And uh, I, again, I, I don't think it's going to I don't think it's a bad change. I'll say that. I, I think that it's it's clear that it wasn't working the way that they wanted it to, and uh, that doesn't guarantee results for the next person. But Luke Fickle made it clear that what they want to be, they want to in you know be physical. They want to push the other team around. They want to do all that st- type of stuff. And now while Phil Longo has to take obviously a, a lion's share of that because he's the one that is making the play calls, you could obviously also look at what uh, Luke Fickle said all year about you know wanting to run the ball, and you could point a lot of that at Jack McNell as well. So I think a lot of people just looked at that and, and said, oh, man, he's not happy with Phil Longo. I think it's I think it was a lot to do with uh, with Jack McNell and the offensive line not being the the offensive line that Wisconsin has come to expect. I'll also say Wisconsin's offensive line hasn't been the the offensive line for quite some time, right? Yes. I mean, let's let's be fair about that. Uh, I think it's the expectation is just because it's Wisconsin they're going to have great offensive line play and it's always going to be that way because it's always been that way. Well, it wasn't always that way. Think back before Barry Alvarez got there. It wasn't good offensive line play. They they worked it and you have to continue to work it to stay at the top and Wisconsin's offensive line has not been that for uh for a while, for a while now. So what does uh what you know, you kind of answered what does it mean going forward? How difficult do you think this is going to have a fourth difference offensive line coach in as many years? It's got to be tough on guys who have been there that long. Now, again, like I mentioned, it's a very young group, and five of the guys who are coming in are all true freshmen. I think that's another interesting aspect of this. They were recruited by, at least in part, Jack Bicknell Jr. to to play in this Phil Longo-style offense. So I, I have to imagine that whoever they ultimately hire will run something that is very similar. At least th- this is just my perspective, and we'll hopefully get a better sense in spring practice. I don't know how you drastically alter it um, when this is the kind of offense that you run other than perhaps your approach and how you coach. But so so from that standpoint, I don't know if it's a terrible situation because you have so many young guys. But certainly if you've been here for for several years and you keep going through all these changes, I think it can be hard to develop. I don't know if rhythm is the right word, but you want to be the best you possibly can. And that is so difficult when every year you're being asked to do something a little bit different. So I think that's part of the challenge. And, you know, I wrote a a story that's for Monday in the athletic on my, my biggest questions that this program has to answer for 2024. And and the way I framed it with this, and it's, it, it agrees with your point that this is far from an ideal situation as fickle enters the second season, but it was one that clearly became necessary. So you had to make a change like this, but you're also right. This offensive line hasn't been dominance, not even the right word, like consistently effective for a long, long time. Now, they're not the only 
ones to blame. This program for the last four seasons hasn't been good enough, but it's been quite a while since you could just roll out the five dudes and they would open massive holes. And um, we haven't seen that quite the, the way we had a decade ago. And and I don't know, you know, they've got a lot of talent. That's the other thing, but we've been saying that for a long time. Well, there's a lot of talent. This next coach is going to have to figure out how to maximize that talent. Yeah, no, he definitely is. And they're, I will say, as you as you laid out in the numbers, they do have returning experience, right, with Jack Nelson and Joe Huber and Riley Mallman and Jake Renfro, and they've also got a lot of inexperience behind them. And yep, so especially with the guys heading out, it's not like Nolan Rucci had played a ton. Trey Wedig had obviously, but you know Dylan Barrett hadn't really played any either. How much of the how many of those guys were actual losses? It can be. It, it can be debated, but it's it's certainly hit to your depth. Like if nothing else, it's certainly hit hit uh, to your depth and guys who could potentially stand in. Trey Wedding was a um, a contributor by like he was definitely a contributor, and they don't have that guy now to step in if someone were to get hurt. And that while they were so healthy this year, that has not routinely been the case. So they need to develop depth. They need to develop some of the younger guys and potentially having to put them into a two deep. And uh, it's. Wisconsin offensive line job as a job, I think, is a very attractive one, but it's also mm-hmm. a difficult one to step into uh, this year, or I should say this spring. Yeah, whoever ends up taking it on. But I, I agree. It's, it's it's such an interesting time in the offensive line room in general. Of the guys who left, I, I would make the case that Trey Wedig, if he, had he stuck around um, and understand why he didn't, would have presumably had a chance to start next season. When you consider the lack of experience beyond those top guys what you have coming back at this point are three guys that started every game during the season jack nelson at left tackle joe huber at left guard riley mallman at right tackle and you've obviously also got jake renfro who finally was able to play in the bowl game after tanner bordellini moved on and after that it's a whole bunch of inexperience we've heard a lot of praise for joe brunner but he didn't play in the bowl game. I, that really surprised me, to be honest. I know you're trying to win that game, but given the praise that he got and the first team reps that we heard he got during uh, bowl prep, thought we might see him a little. But it's like Joe Brunner, J.P. Benchwall, Barrett Nelson, guys we really have not seen much of. And then a bunch of incoming freshmen, as well as James Durand, who will be a redshirt freshman, but didn't play this past season. So... Again, the talent is there, but whoever comes in, I think, is also going to have a a real opportunity to mold this group very quickly because you have players that haven't developed necessarily the habits that um, previous Wisconsin teams have had beyond the top guys because they just haven't played. Yeah. can make an argument that group is uh, the one that needs to have the best spring of any of of any of the position groups because of the uncertainty past maybe the top three or four guys. So uh, biggest priority in looking for a new coach, what do you think it is? So it's interesting because what what have you seen in your mentions, I suppose, since, oh, well, since this news came out? They've gotta, well, they've got to hire somebody, right, like uh, uh, someone f- familiar with the Badgers or a yeah. Wisconsin coach or something like that. I don't, to me, that's not a prerequisite here. Um it might have felt more so at, at other positions. You you need somebody who is going to coach the hell out of these guys, but who can do it within the framework of the system that they want to run. And if that means that there's somebody who has familiarity with the program, then great. But 
I think that's the most important thing here. I, I know, you know, last year at this time, what were we talking about? Well, Luke Fickle was lamenting that he hi hadn't hired an assistant coach who had ties to the program or recruiting the state or anything like that. And there were a couple that he wanted, but it didn't work out with this specific position. I, I don't, that would not to me be the number one priority. If it works, Hey, great. But I, I like Joe Thomas has never coached before. I mean, maybe he's a savant like, like Jim Leonard was, but he's co going to be coaching in Germany apparently. And <laughs> I mean, you probably want somebody I would presume with, uh, the experience because this is a, a big time job. Yeah. I've seen that, that has popped out. Then Casey Robach, who obviously is in the recruiting department, mm -hmm. that, that has popped out as well. A guy who has also not coached before. It's not to say that they can't. I mean, you, right. you think about Ross Kalaji, he was the strength coach and then he moved over to the defense line and was actually pretty good at, you know, coach of defense line, but at least he was around guys and, you know, uh, had a, had a coach mindset a little bit more so than maybe somebody that's in the recruiting department. I'm not saying Casey couldn't do it. He probably could, but I think you go and find the most uh, competent coach you possibly can, whether they have connections to Wisconsin or not. Everyone knows what Wisconsin offensive linemen are. It's not like you have to introduce them to it. It's not like <laughs> it's, it's a well-known thing. Uh, you would, uh, the, the, the history and the legacy of Wisconsin offensive line, it, it, everyone knows what's what. And it's a, a very good position. And now they just have to go out and fire uh, and hire the best guy for it. And not really worry about whether he uh, has any connections to the state or not. Now, if it's a, a, you know, a tiebreaker. Yeah, of course you got the guy that knows Wisconsin, but otherwise you're looking for a guy who can coach the position and recruit at a high level. And more and more, as we get further along into this new landscape, recruiting has taken such a, a some I, I know uh, I'm trying to think who it was. It was one. It was a head coach of one of the big schools. Who was asked, "Well, like, what do you what do you think of first? Can they coach or they can recruit?" And recruits like almost is the first thing, and then it's coaching. Um, at Wisconsin, at least along the offensive line, I think like it needs to be coaching first, but recruiting yeah. is probably right right there too. Yeah, they're both so important. I think based on where this position group is at right now, the the coaching's got to be there. But yeah. You, you know what you're getting into, presumably, if if you come on board, you've got to be able to recruit. And I know that they've got their own recruiting department, but the position coaches still play a very big role in that. And you have to be able to develop relationships with the players. And to steal a, a Greg Gard phrase, here's the crossover basketball football moment. That idea of retention that Greg has talked about so often matters as well, because once you get them in the door, you have to make sure that they want to stick around. And it's harder than ever to ensure that that happens. Yeah, I would agree. So obviously, Jack McDonnell is th that position is open. The wide receiver position has been filled officially. I don't know that we've talked about Kenny Guyton a ton, mm -hmm. have we? I can't recall. It's I don't, all kind I, of a blur. Yeah, I don't. I don't think we have at all. So he obviously has some experience with Luke Fickle, having played at Ohio State when Luke Fickle was the defense coordinator there. He has been uh, at a number of different stops. I had a, had a little bit of a crossover there with John Budmeyer at Colorado State for one year. And then has been at Arkansas the last two years as the wide receivers coach. I think he was the co-office coordinator after uh, uh, at at some point this year as well. He he comes to Wisconsin. It's a it's an interesting hire. It's a I mean it's a guy that he knows kind of like he knew Mike Brown. It's a guy that Luke Fickle is intimately aware of, and he is a guy that I think has a chance to help them certainly on the field, but also in the recruiting aspect too. Perhaps even more so maybe with some of the portal guys that they're trying to. Uh, trying to bring in and, and land here as they still look to add to that group. Yeah, I think uh, you can only go 
since we haven't had an opportunity to talk to him or meet him, what other people have said and how other players have reacted to this move. And I know that the wide receivers at Arkansas were certainly bummed that he was moving on. And way back when in the different times of 2020, he was uh, 24-7 sports named him one of those 30 under 30 coaches is like one of the nation's top young assistant coaches. That was when he was at Colorado State. So he's he's known for his ability to recruit and connect with players and certainly have to be able to coach. But like we're talking about with offensive line, this is a time of uh, continued transition at wide receiver. And uh, you've got to figure out how to get this group to play at at the level that it can, because what you have here is Will Pauling, who had a great season, Bryson Green, who had his best performance in the bowl game. He's got to continue to play at that level. And then a bunch of guys who have so much to prove in my eyes. They, they, everybody else who's returning combined to catch 33 passes for 341 yards and no touchdowns. And I think this roster may change, obviously, at that position. But as it stands, they've got one transfer portal player, Tyrell Henry from Michigan State, and one freshman signee that's on scholarship coming in, and Kyan Barry Johnson. So Kenny Guyton's got a lot of work to do and a lot of players he needs to evaluate. But if that group is going to take a step forward, at least right now, it appears it's going to have to be guys who have already been in that room. But I feel good about some of the guys in that room, right? And yeah, maybe, yeah. And maybe, maybe Kahuna. Yeah, exactly. And maybe that's my good feeling about the room is because of Tretch. Um, (laughs) I can't, I'm not going to lie about that. But there is a good feeling about some of those guys, a better feeling after the bowl game. It's it's weird because I remember when I talked to Phil Longo before the bowl game and asked him, you know, do you have the explosiveness in that room that maybe uh, you said you were missing? And he said, well, I think we have that explosiveness in that room. And Mm -hmm. I I was kind of... (laughs) I didn't roll my eyes in the moment, but I rolled my eyes inside, you know, like in my in my heart, I was rolling my eyes. And then they came out in the bowl game and kind of showed some explosiveness, whether it was Bryson Green going down and catching some big balls down the field or them throwing deep to um, Vinny Anthony. Obviously, the play didn't count. Throwing deep to C.J. Williams with the ball right on him. You got to make that catch. And then obviously, Will Pauling, too, and, and Tretch. They do have some explosion in that room. And again, they probably would like to add one more big guy that could run. I think that's obviously what everybody would love to do in the country. A big guy mm-hmm. that can run down the field, run really fast and catch passes over the top and and be that guy. And maybe they will land them. But I do like that room better than maybe I did before the bowl game. And yeah. I think Kenny Guyton's walking into a, a better situation than um, the new offensive line coach. Oh, I would, I would agree. There's certainly depth there. It's a lot of guys that have to prove it though. I, I, it's a way too early, too deep, but this is what we do at this time of the year. <laughs> My starters were the starters that you saw in the bowl game. Bryson Green, Vinny Anthony on the outside, Will Pauling in the slot. And the backups, at least for now, I had Quincy Burroughs and CJ Williams on the outside with Tretch in the slot. Couldn't be more impressed with what Tretch gave them in the limited snaps that he had. Had four catches, ended up with more receiving yards in the bowl game than, than Skyler Bell had in any game this season. Um, and returned to kick like 37 yards. So he can do a lot of different things. There are some question marks in that group though, particularly for me, where does Tyrell Henry fit into this? Now I think he's got a chance to come in and just be the starting kick and punt returner. Vinny Anthony will have a say in that as well. And I mean, even Tretch could too, but that's a role that Tyrell had at Michigan state for the last couple of seasons. They're not bringing him in to not play at wide receiver. So I think he'll be a part of the mix. 
what does Kyan Barry Johnson have as, as a true freshman? And you've still got Tommy McIntosh and Chris, Chris Brooks Jr., who are guys we've been talking about for a long time, guys who have had really good moments in stretches during practices. But I think those are some bigger bodies. I mean, Tommy, you know, I've been talking about him since hmm. he was before he was signed. He's a 6'5", long strider. And Chris Book, Brooks is a physical guy. I've gotten so many questions, particularly during the season, about, well, can they move him in, inside so he can be a tight end? Like, he's got that kind of physicality. Again, a lot of guys with a lot to prove, but I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. Yeah, if if Chris Brooks hadn't gotten hurt in spring and then gotten hurt in fall camp and then gotten hurt during the season, I think there, mm-hmm. he, could, he could have given them something. It, but there's a, a pattern there a little bit, unfortunately yeah. for him, which which sucks. But uh, we'll we'll see how that that whole room does come together. But as I said, I, I feel better about it going in. I also say it was kind of funny uh, when Tretch I got a video of Tretch watching walking into the stadium, and we. We kind of felt that it was going to be a day where he was going to have a chance to to make some plays. And so I'm like, happy Tretch Kekahuna Day to everybody that celebrates. And they were just roasting him, one, for his haircut. Um, <laughs> I, I can't say anything about that whatsoever. I think it looks all right. But the other one, there's some a couple of them was like that. I've never seen a guy look less like a D1 athlete than, than Tretch Kekahuna. Well, and, you haven't seen any of his highlights then. <laughs> right. And so and so after he had a few catches, I went back to go grab those tweets. And for some reason, they had disappeared. They had uh, they had been deleted. And uh, so that was unfortunate because I was looking forward to dunking on some people and I, I didn't get an opportunity to do it. So that was disappointing. But that was the only thing disappointing about Tresh Kekahuna on, on, uh, uh, on the bowl game. So, yeah. So Wisconsin has, uh, is going to have a new wide receivers coach, going to have a new offensive line coach and. We'll see how those uh, those two things play out. Let's talk about the tra- let's t- <clears throat> talk about the transfer portal a little bit. It officially closed for Wisconsin players to go in last night. We're doing this on Sunday, so Saturday night was the the final time that they could go in until the the spring period, which I believe is is that fifteen days. Did they limit that down to fifteen days? I believe so. I think it's April sixteenth to the thirtieth this year. Yeah, so the players can go in there, they, and also grad students can leave whenever they want, but. Right now, Wisconsin ended up losing the total number. Jesse, a court of this, and for me, this is since the end of the season. Not, I know mm. there's some people that are counting Keontes Lewis, and some people are counting Amon Williams. I'm not counting those two, so I had 16. Is that what you had? Including uh, including walk-ons, <laughs> I had 12 scholarship guys. I guess I hadn't spent time counting. Oh, all right. Don't <laughs> worry about it then. I got you. Figure out who was coming, but I, yeah, no, uh, I got you. I got you. So they, so either way, they they ended up losing. They ended up losing uh, twelve scholarship guys since the end of the regular season. A number of them have uh, found new homes. Seven of them now have found homes with teams in the Power Four conferences. And you know, obviously, the Pac-12 no longer exists. Well, it won't. Well, no longer exist after uh, after Monday, after Monday's championship game. But uh, I count seven guys have committed to to schools. Uh, Dylan Barrett's to uh, Iowa State. We've got Chimray DK to Florida. Rodas Johnson, the big surprise, I think, here for a lot of people. He's going to Texas A&M, though, again, uh, they can pay. So that makes sense. Nolan Rucci, uh, end of the portal one day at Penn State the next. Jordan Turner to Michigan State. Trey Wedig to Indiana. And then uh, Darian Varner committed on Sunday to uh, Cincinnati. So, Seven seven uh, guys ended up at Power Four programs. Uh, looking back at those those uh, all the guys that have transferred yeah. for you, which one is the biggest loss for Wisconsin? Do you think? Well, now looking at this, I think I've got eleven scholarship guys who left 
since the window opened, but I may have missed one. Uh, either way, uh, not a big shock that it was a number like this. Uh, from that group, uh, this is tough because most of these guys were bit players if they were that, and that's kind of what you expect. I would probably go with Jordan Turner, but then again, that also makes sense in some regard because of the linebackers, the inside linebackers that they pursued in the portal and what they're looking for from that position. I mean, beyond that, I don't know that there were very many where I went, whoa, I like, yeah. I cannot believe it. Again, I think Trey Wedding would have happened, had an opportunity to start this season, but it made perfect sense why he decided to move on. Didn't like the fact that halfway through the season, they just stopped playing him. And also he gets to reunite with Bob Bostad at Indiana. So I, I, that's probably where it stops. Like the Chimray DK thing. I honestly thought he was just going to be done. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I know he was honored on senior day. I, I, but again, it's a, it's a good opportunity for him. So I don't think there's a ton of guys, but I'd be interested to hear what your response would be to that same question. Well, no, I, I think the, biggest loss would be Trey Wedig just because yeah. just because of his experience right yeah. that that to me is the the thing that would perhaps stand out just because of the lack behind him it's not like he was a great player by any stretch he was a solid player for him um i still think he should have been i still think they should should have given him reps over michael fertney i will continue to say that forever mm-hmm. at least rotation wise you know what i mean just, just a little bit of rotation at some point to complete, and I know that may just been a fickle thing. Like stick with the five, and let's just go. But no, that that yeah, that that to me probably maybe is the the biggest loss. Like long term, I don't I don't look at any of these guys being like, gosh, I don't know what Wisconsin's going to do with them. And 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 the other one, I guess I'll I'll say I, he was not a playmaker. But you look at the depth of position, and you're like, and uh, I know you did your defensive depth chart, and you, you kind of we were kind of going back and forth about the defensive line. And it's like, who do I put in that spot? Like, who's mm-hmm. you got James Thompson Jr., you got Kurt Nealon, you got who? So, Rodas Johnson would be a guy, even though he did not necessarily make huge plays. I, I think it's a guy that they obviously could use. So, I, yeah. I, I'm more talking about guys, not not big time playmakers. They didn't lose any big time playmakers, in my opinion, or big time players. But they've lost guys that certainly I think could have helped them next year, whether it be a Rodas Johnson or a, or a Trey Wedding. You know, and Shimray DK for that that matter too. When when given opportunities, he made some plays. So um I know what they wanted to do at inside linebacker. We've seen all the inside linebackers go to the portal, including Jordan Turner. And again, he was productive and just might, wasn't maybe a, a great fit for what they want to do at inside linebacker with this group. And you know, you could say obviously the same about Mumajong Meta. And you could say the same about Jake Cheney too, but he at least has the added aspect of of some some speed to the to the position. But yeah, I I don't look at this group and be like, oh my gosh, I can't yeah. believe we lost this guy and that guy. There hasn't, there's nothing like that in my mind. The name that I think has drawn the most, the highest level of bemoaning from the fan base in my eyes is Nolan Rucci. But that is based, it's based on two things. Obviously, he was a five-star recruit. Wisconsin doesn't get very many of those. There's been five of those in the online recruiting ranking era and only two in the last 15 plus years since Josh Oglesby signed. And those were Ruchi and Logan Brown, neither of whom were major contributors for Wisconsin. I know Logan ended up starting three games. So I think there's that part of it of, Oh, 
they wasted this guy's talent. And the other part is, oh, Jack Nelson didn't have a very good season this year. And uh, he's coming back and, and Nolan Rucci is not going to get his chance. Like, oh, wasted opportunity. And I imagine you and I both agree on this. If Nolan were better, he would have played this season. And we saw what happened. Now, he did get his opportunity in the bowl game. But as soon as we learned that Jack was going to come back for another season, the writing was on the wall. Nolan is a 2021 recruit. So he redshirted that year. Then he didn't play in 2022, didn't play in 2023. And if everything held, wasn't going to play in 2024 as long as Jack Nelson was going to occupy the left tackle spot. And that is my anticipation moving forward. So makes sense that he's out the door. And because he wasn't a key contributor here, I don't think it's a, a significant impact other than what it means for losing a five-star player. Yeah. Among the guys coming in, which one's your favorite? Not which one's going to be the best one, but which one is is your favorite add to this team? Ooh, that's a really good question. Um, well, he, I'll let you think about it because there are yeah. there are a number of guys you could go with here there because there's because there's a potential impact players. Now, while they did, I, I'm saying they didn't lose any you know big time impact players. I think that they added a few guys that we're going to be seeing a ton of next year. Yeah. Very similar to this year, what you know, with Will Pollen and and uh, Bryson Green and uh, and obviously Tanner Mordecai and and uh, Jason Matry on the d- defensive side of the ball. There are a number of guys that are going to step in and I think play huge, huge roles for these guys. Mm-hmm. So, man, this is a hard question because they all do such different things and have different responsibilities. The one that I'm like, wow. They got him, uh, and that's a good thing. Like Jaheim Thomas, to me, getting yeah. him from Arkansas, he, he you can obviously see that his playing time tailed off at the end of the season, and I know that Arkansas went with a guy and felt like Jaheim might have had tackling issues late in the year. He had 90 tackles. He led the team last season, and that came on the heels of a 70-tackle season when he played uh, at Cincinnati for Luke Fickle, and he was third on the team there. To me, he's a plug-and-play at inside linebacker. You, you saw what it was like this year at inside backer. They needed more and clearly attacked the portal by getting three inside backers. I think I said this on Temple and Heilprint. I look at the 10 that they have so far, and it's pretty clear that they're not done yet, but we'll have that conversation whenever it gets closer to spring ball and they've got the rest of the portal guys wrapped up. Kaysen Pfeiffer, long snapper, Tyler Van Dyke at quarterback, and to me, the other one is... Jaheim Thomas at inside linebacker. That's not to say there aren't a couple other guys who could potentially start. I think either John Pius or Leon Lowry probably ends up as one of the starting outside linebackers. But I like Thomas. And the other one that I really like is John Pius just because of what he did at William and Mary. And there may be some who think, God, look at, and this is another complaint that I've seen too, by the way, is look at the guys that have entered the portal from Wisconsin and where they ended up. Okay. Nolan Rucci's at Penn State, Jordan Mayer's at Penn State. Um, obviously wrote us as a walk on, I believe as a walk on, I believe, but, um, Jordan Mayer, that's, that is. That, that's a good, that's a good point to make. But so like, that's one of the complaints is, Oh, these guys left and they went to these big schools in Wisconsin. Meanwhile, is going after guys from division two and FCS. And it's like, look, if they fit what you want to do and they've got a lot of talent, um, then to me, they can be big time difference makers. And I'm just really interested to see what Pius can do. I mean, he's FCS all American and had a lot. I mean, his numbers, I don't want to get too carried away from that because we know what happened last offseason. I'm just looking at the potential fit at positions of need. And I look at those guys on the defense because they needed a lot of help on defense based on what we saw this season. Yeah, they definitely did. 
what is your take on the idea of bringing up you know guys that are proven at lower mm-hmm. levels and bringing them into a level above where they have had a lot of success versus going after backups and guys that did not play at other power five schools. Cause that's what these other teams are doing in adding Wisconsin players outside of yeah. Trey Wedig, outside of Chim Ray, um, and, and it's Skyler bell and maybe a, a guy here too, who a Rodas Johnson, you're adding guys that never played at Wisconsin. Like they, they did not play here. And I think that's like, I don't care that they, but yeah, during like some of these guys going to power five schools that never played here, you're mm-hmm. taking a risk on them. I mean, you, would you rather have somebody that has proven ability and even if it's at a lower level or a guy that, gosh, I hope we might be able to, it's, you know, turn him into a player. Right. Well, I, I'm inclined to go with you'd, and I know Wisconsin stance, at least based on how they've recruited at some of these positions, a proven player at a lower level. I also think every situation is different and it is a bit of a crapshoot because the Darian Varner example is a good one. He put up big numbers at Temple in a non-Power 5 conference and then came here. His body was much different and rarely got on the field. I think it ended up being 122 snaps. On the other hand, Nizir Forkurin was a great player at the D2 level and ended up starting Instead of Alexander Smith, I know we look, I know Nazir didn't have a particularly good game in the bowl game, but um, like that's somebody that they identified and thought would be a good fit and ended up contributing significantly. So they've done that a lot here uh, of late, it feels like, but they've also got so they've done a mix too. That's the thing. And some of this has to do with relationships that you had previously. Jackson McGowan is a, is a good example who was committed to Cincinnati. He's coming here without any real experience, didn't play last season at LSU. So it's a mix. Um, but I'm I'm inclined to it's both. You get the potential of guys who were big time prospects at one point and the production of lower level guys. And I know Luke talked about this in December that he feels like those guys come in here with a bit extra chip on their shoulder. And it was something that he felt like they had success with at Cincinnati guys coming in from a lower level and wanting to prove something and getting on the field and making the most of their opportunities. So again, it, it is a crapshoot. Um, and I feel bad in some sense because we've been having this whole conversation about transfer portal guys and haven't once talked about Tyler Van Dyke when to, he's the probably most significant transfer portal addition for 2024. Um, but we'll have ample time, I suppose, to talk about that as well. I mean, we, we've addressed we've addressed what <laughs> what we think he is and what he can be this offense. Um, but I, I just go back to this this idea like a like a Dylan Barrett. He never mm-hmm. got on the field at Wisconsin. He had plenty. I mean, he had how many years to do it? He didn't do it, yeah. right? So, or let's be fair about this. Nolan Rucci had many mm-hmm. opportunities to get on the field. He was here for three years. Could never break past a guy who really, really struggled this year. Now, whether that was not wanting to put him on the field because he didn't, didn't want to take Jack off of it or whether people thought that Jack was still the best option, even though he was not playing maybe at the at the level that he wanted to, which is the way I lean, obviously, it's uh, there. There are a number of guys like this. Mike, um, Miles Burkett. Hey, oh, he never got his opportunity. He got his opportunity every day in practice. He wasn't good enough. He wasn't good enough. And now, where is he going to end up? Who knows? But there is a lot of guys like that that end uh, that come to Wisconsin. It's not the spot for them, and they spend multiple years here, and they're they're just they're not they're either not good enough to play here or. The coaching staff doesn't like them or what, you know, you have the change in the coaching staff, which is why this roster has turned over the way it has in the last two years. But a lot of these guys just were never going to play at Wisconsin and for them to go somewhere else, whether it's a power five or otherwise or power four or otherwise, it's irrelevant, I guess. Um, And we'll see if any of them 
do anything at the at their next school. But um, I think Wisconsin got better in the transfer portal this year. I'm not going to say it's going to be the, the greatest team of all time. We're not going to do that this this off season. Mm-hmm. But I do think I do think they got better in the portal this year. And do they still have positions to add? Absolutely. A wide receiver, uh, you know, a, a big wide receiver that can beat guys down the field, that'd be great if Wisconsin could add that. Another defensive lineman is certainly a priority, I think, uh, yes. for them at this point. A slot corner is a guy that is somebody that you would think that they're trying to add. I know that they're trying to add. So there are positions still that they need to to address, but I do think they got better um, at, at a number of spots. Running back, obviously, and quarterback, well, We'll see at quarterback and, um, you know, inside linebacker and outside linebacker. They're certainly better there than they were uh, at this time last month. I but. would, I would certainly agree. I mean, a lot, again, a lot of the guys that are leaving are guys who are not key contributors. Now there were a few certainly, but you laid it out pretty well. There's uh there's a lot of guys that are coming in and they expect them to contribute right away. And, help this group take a step up because just getting guys to fill spots is not going to be good enough for where Wisconsin wants to go. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Do you think they're better? If, if I look at the transfers that they have and what this roster will be next season compared to last season. Yeah. I would think so, but I I don't want to get out in front of my skis again <laughs> this <laughs> off season. I'm in much more of a wait and see mode. And um, I mean, like I was saying, Okay, they have 10 incoming transfers so far, and yet how many did I say I think you automatically pencil in as starters? So it's not like they went and got difference makers at every position right away, um, but they hope these guys can be difference makers. I would like to see what this group actually looks like before making more bold proclamations. I just, I don't know. I mean, you, you know what I sounded like uh, on the last show at the end of the season, maybe it was the toll of a long year and watching them lose another game and finishing seven and six. It's such a long road to uh, significant improvement that I don't know if just a few transfers is going to be what gets them there, but you got to start somewhere. Right. I'm not saying they're the greatest thing ever. I just think they yeah. are better and I still yeah. I don't think they're done adding. Like yes, the portal oh, no. is d- the portal is done in terms of guys entering it from Wisconsin. That doesn't mean they can't add guys. There's about a yes. thousand guys in the portal still and uh, a number of them that are very intriguing and I think uh guys that would would fit this team well. And we'll see yes. if Wisconsin's able to bring them in um here before spring ball. Uh or and- actually I have to say spring ball before the winter um, school starts. So, right. That was the one thing I was going to add here just for people listening. And you probably know this, but just in case Luke had mentioned before that the guys are going to be reporting on January 14th. And so to me, if it's going to happen with additions, it's got to be this week because these guys are coming to participate in off season workouts in spring ball. Yep. All right, Jesse, thank you very much. Thanks, Zach. All right. There he is. Jesse Temple from the athletic. You've been listening to the camp.